What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Asian bitches done under a podcast about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diasporas in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show via Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you have enjoyed our episodes, please support us by giving us a five-star rating and get your friends on board to listen to us. Finally, we would love you to support this podcast by donating to our Buy Me a Coffee program. Your wonderful support and donations will help us to continue creating the platform for diversity and inclusivity. Make sure you check out the episode show notes for any collaborations we're working with to promote. Thanks again, and we hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hey, y'all! This is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen, and we are Asian bitches down under. And wow, what a really eventful week! Yeah, yeah. So been, many things. So many things happened. I know. So many things happening. So many things that I've been reading and watching. It's been one of those weeks where, like, I've found enough fruit, fruitful things out there in the world, meaning the internet and mm-hmm. books, that I haven't felt like uh, missing out by staying in because I mm-hmm. have been mostly staying in this week. Um, nice. But it's been really, yeah, it's been really nice. I've been stuck into one of the best books I've ever read. Okay. That's a pretty big claim, <laughs> I know. And I have to say, shout out to Helston Park's Little Book Library, who where I found this, you know, the street libraries. Really? Yeah. So you so, just randomly picked up this book rather yeah, than yeah. it was so we go it all. often. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Uh, and because um, I, I, every time there's a, a street library bookshelf, mm-hmm. it is mandatory that I stop. Like Just even if I pass it every day, have a look. Yeah, always checking up on what the latest uh, books are, the latest new editions. And this week, I think actually five days ago, this just popped up. It's a beautiful kind of amber orange book, and it is mm-hmm. of course Curtis Stittenfield's Rodham, mm-hmm. which is the reimagined fantasy version, alternative reality, if Hillary did not meet, uh, if did not marry Clinton. Bill Clinton. Okay, interesting. Well, I uh-huh. butchered that. It's just it's, I'm so flabbergasted because I'm still in the midst of reading it. I'm towards the end, and it is just like a tremendous, tremendous read. And I guess the biggest thing that I kept, I've, I, I have kept saying to my partner in the last few days that I've kept reading it is that there's not one moment where I've been bored. Wow. Like I just cannot put it down. It, mm-hmm. Like I've literally have put it down because I've got stuff to do. But like, um, she is an interesting woman. Like, regardless, I think if she oh, I know married or not married, Bill Clinton, she's a fascinating and interesting woman. Absolutely, and like, I find it um so wonderful just the way in which the writing is so clear, crisp, and Mm. very, very uh, down to earth narratively. But the thing that I love most about it is that oft, um, in the beginning, I mean, it's hilarious. Like, um, uh, spoilers, I'm going to um, reveal now. It's rev- uh, it's hilarious because, you know, um, Bill Clinton ends up um, getting married to the school teacher. They divorce. He becomes um, a kind of like Silicon Valley uh, tech tycoon, kind of oh, like Elon Musk. So it, yes. follows, it follows Bill Clinton's yeah, it, life yes, as well. Yes, Like exactly, a reimagined yeah. life yes, of Bill Clinton. Exactly. Wow, okay. Yeah, and so right now I'm up to the part where it's 2015 and Hillary is running for Clinton against her former boyfriend. 
So, like, they're running against each other. Uh-huh. And he's kind of, like, telling her to, like, if reporters ask her about, you know, what what he was like when back when they were dating in college, uh-huh. he, he was like, can you please just put in a good word for me? Um, <laughs> he's now, like, um, he's now, uh, like, divorced after a second marriage. Um, he's a vegan now. <laughs> Which is so <laughs> the the formal hilarious. boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. Like Bill Clinton is vegan uh-huh, as a fifty-something okay. year old alternative. Oh, universe. okay. Yeah. I just love that. I I love that so much. It's hilarious. And um, but, but the thing but I what's love a, most uh, about okay, this book, one thing I'm gonna ask before you go on is that what, are they both Republicans in this book? Oh no, they're Democrats. Oh, yeah. Why would they be Republicans? Oh no, sorry. I was going to ask you. Sorry, I got to rephrase my question again. Were they? Are they both Democrats in the book? As oh in, yes, I yes, assume yes. that if they are, that one of them could be, you right, know, the opposition. To, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. They're yeah. both um, d- d- Democrats. D- d- yes, oh, okay. yes. Oh, okay. And Hillary is single. She has never married. She doesn't have children. Uh-huh. Um, and her character is just so freaking sympathetic. Like, um, she kind of there are moments in her life. Like, this author, she has like read countless um autobiographies and biographies of, of Hillary, Hillary Clinton, Clinton yeah. you know, and so she kind of like strings parts of her real life and then makes up other parts. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but like, you know, um, in this alternative universe, she kind of has the life that Liz Warren has. So she's like a law uh, professor who decides okay. to run for Senate uh-huh. and then, you know, several years later, um, president. Um, but yeah, I can the thing see I love- a similarity there. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's um, I'm not sure if Liz Warren has kids, actually. I'm not I, sure. I'm but pretty sure anyway. she does. Oh, yeah. okay. But um, the thing I love most about this book is actually towards the beginning. The beginning is actually quite startling because there are very, very graphic sex scenes. Uh So even though this is like fiction, obviously, you can't help but imagine like, you know, like Hillary – this is the imagined this Hillary is the describing, actual person in our yeah, world. describing sex scenes with you know her <laughs> former yeah with Bill Clinton and like um she makes him out as like a sex addict so he uh. continually um he is like perpetually unfaithful to her during mm. their relationship. Well, that's, during that's the reality. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> and we all know that. And also like a sexual offender, mm. a rapist, basically. What I find so sympathetic uh, about this book in particular is towards the beginning where she talks about um, when she was younger, a lot of the boys that she had crushes on didn't have crushes on her because they would say, oh, you're like one of the boys. You're too smart. You're like, I, I, I like mm. you, but as a mm. brother or a friend, I don't like you like as a romantic interest. Yeah, that and, happens. Um, and sort of her intellectual precocity, precociousness um, is, is like a, unattractive to men. And like I have like mm. um, I have struggled with that my whole life. Like I not I'm not saying obviously I'm not saying I'm in it any way um, adjacent to Hillary Clinton, but like I find a, just the way in which this author talks about her loneliness <clears throat> as a woman who has who is like the only thing that I kind of can can say with certainty that I. I relate to this character, maybe not Hillary Clinton, the real person, but just at least this character is that she's painted out to be like not physically attractive and her best asset is her brains. Mm. And there's this really um, sympathetic and sweet moment in her in the book where one of Hillary's friends says, um, uh, Hillary, boys don't like girls for their brains. Mm-hmm. And like that made me really sad because I feel like um, that'll like, I feel like um, that'll always be the case, unfortunately. Like, like I hope there are men out there who you know who actually do like a woman for her for her intellectual capacities, you know. But like I feel like um, 
as a woman, I've only ever been for like in the at least in the first like initial stages of a relationship, it's always been like if I'm pretty enough for a guy. And like mm-hmm. my my intellectual capacity has never been the forefront of why someone has been drawn to me, like mm-hmm. a male, I mean, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. And it's just like, oh, it's just kind of like this uh, ongoing struggle that I have and this kind of deep-seated sadness that I feel because I'm not like um, my first asset, my best, my best asset is not the asset that you can see immediately, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, we we live still live in a world where a woman's um, physical appearances are are the thing that most valued about her, um, at least in the initial stages. And I I just, you know, every day when I think about that, I just like every day I still think I wish I'd rather be a man. I would rather be a man, honestly. I, and, and like, you know, it, it's something that it's like, it's kind of like the way in which when I was younger, maybe maybe my thoughts about this will change. And I know I'm kind of monologuing here a bit, but like um, I used to be very angry about the way things are in the world. And I would have like even two years ago when I was talking to a really old elderly woman on a radio station about my book that was coming out she was like you're really angry aren't you as though like it was like bad that I was angry as though I was like giving off this awful awful smell she was like there's something wrong with you kind of thing when she insinuated my anger and I was like yeah there's and I hope I never stop getting angry and like right now I don't feel like I am as angry as I used to be um two years ago because I I just like have given up on fights that I used to think were worthy of fighting for Mm -hmm. and um that that is another sadness that I'm coming to terms with being less angry because I think anger is very important and it's such a kind of impulsive necessary energy that we need. It's the only anger is the only energy that has ever ch- created change in the world. You know, mm-hmm. um, civil rights movement, women's rights movement, etc. But this wish to be a man, to the wish that I was still someone who could just be judged by my intellect alone, I, I I'm afraid that it'll keep going on for the next few years of my life i hope it'll dissipate but it's kind of also like very exhausting like do you ever find helen that you're exhausted by your constant desires for something that deep down you know will never change like i, I know for sh- for sure that i will never like I, i'm not in any way like I've, i don't think i've like i don't identify as a trans person and i don't i don't know the language around talking about this because um mm. because i've never wanted to transition or anything mm. But like I, um, the older I get, the more I find myself wishing I were a man, wishing mm-hmm. that I were, was born a man, that I had the privileges of the man of a man. Um, you know. Mm, okay. What do, what do you think? I was just processing through a lot of aspects that you just mentioned. Apart from anger, I think you specifically talked about anger um, in a lot of your interviews and even in that graduation speech you did with the UNSW. Oh yeah. Um, so that was that was very good, but I, I want to come back to talk about the appearance of how well. Unfortunately, you know, society expects women to be a certain standard of appearance to be attractive, and um, that's the part of human, I guess. I don't know what with human evolution will we ever be um, be attracted by people's brain rather than their appearance first but I think that's the part of internet as well because we often I guess that that goes back to what we talked about last week on dating um in the reference of dating world now we have um online dating and people talk to each other 
and most likely you interacted with them conversationally through you know online chatting and maybe you exert a bit more intellectual before you meet each other but um yeah it's very complicated but unfortunately i think that's with gender inequality that's not going to come in effect for another hundred years or so and we never know because you know sometimes we see there's an improvement there's a progress and then the next moment there's two steps backwards um so yeah appearance wise is still very important unfortunately um unless that we are all i think there's some writers which is a book that i'm going to talk about a bit later after you some writers is going through to kind of make expressions about the importance of our minds and our memories rather than appearance but to me humans are still very visually impacted you know that's the part of our sensory function that we are aroused by visual and i don't know how is that going to change you know perhaps as apologies wise it's not going to change for a very long time unless that we become um i don't know unless that we become a non productive as in we, we don't produce the next uh generation of or otherwise we change the way that we reproduce because yeah, the biologically you know sex and appearance are very interconnected that's that's mm. that's from my own perspective yeah i don't know how other people see it yeah yeah i guess we're talking about a lot of different things at the moment but um my my initial rants about um it's just interesting how like a book can make me feel so many different things mm mm-hmm. and 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 any any woman in history who has ever wanted any kind of power that has historically been held by men has has been very um has been confronted by the limits in which her gender um oh yeah impacts upon uh-huh. her you know yeah. the desires that she wants and the and the acquisition of the things that she desires you know the limits of that mm-hmm. and like just reading all about Hillary Clinton and being inside her head i mean the fictional Hillary Clinton i get it it just makes me go back to the place in my own essence essential self where i'm like like i don't want to be a man i just want to i just want the uh i just want the easy and very inherent um and unassumed uh, sorry and assumed privileges and entitlements that are given bestowed to a man mm. you know so i feel very conflicted about that like i mm-hmm. i definitely don't want yeah. to be a man i don't want to i don't want a dick <laughs> i don't want i don't want facial hair it sounds like really annoying to have facial hair even though i personally like facial hair on men um even though i fucking hate hipsters and hipsters do have facial hair so i'm like kind of like contradictory <laughs> yes. in that sense but like i don't i don't i don't desire to be a man i think i think women are much more beautiful in the sense that we're just more gentle and i like delicate mm. gentle people and yeah. gen- gentler people you tend to be like women um they're the more delicate uh, oh no now i'm being like sexist i'm not saying like women can't be strong and all that but i but just But historically like, women has been more empathetic and sympathetic well, and more Well i'm just talking bodily wise like mm-hmm. i i don't want it sounds like i want to be a man but really at the end of the day i just wish i were a man <laughs> only in the sense that i will um not have my ambitions questioned well mm-hmm. you know don't have to think twice about going alone out at night to walk alone um 
can completely just speak my mind without being second guessed, you know, be, without being questioned, without being doubted. Um, just, yeah, so many things that kind of go, go out and run shirtless. That's like one of my top priorities in life. Like I just, I w- Yeah, but isn't that would- kind of um, enforcing the patriarchal ideas as in you know you if you can't if you can't change the world then be part of it or you know yeah yeah um yeah i know it's very complicated yeah and contradicted contradictive at times yeah i um i find it very hard to um to love being a woman Uh, there's just you know i find it very hard the older i get the the more i'm like uh not I don't see the benefits of being a woman. Mm. It's just I don't I don't see it. Um, you 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 are constantly doubt. You are constantly kind of and also like an Asian woman. You're constantly being, um, kind of marginalized. You're belittled. Yeah, you know, I just that, I don't yeah. see. Like I I'm proud who I am, and I am have you know I I can't change the way I've been born and all mm-hmm. that and the body I've been born in. Um, and I'm grateful for everything that I have and the body that I'm in. I won't lie in saying if I was if I could choose to be born in another body. Oh, totally! I'd totally be choose. I would totally choose to be a straight white male. Mm. My life would be so much easier. Yeah, like in every single way. Wow, mm. I've I've become very dark this episode <laughs> for some reason. It's this book. It's, this book is making me feeling feel very yeah. like awful about my my womanness. <laughs> There's just like it's just like that show that you watched um a couple of months ago with that Taiwanese drama where where a little girl when she gets a period she's asking her mum mum what's the great any good perks about being a woman and, and her mum's like Bleh. yeah nothing like both mum and the and both yeah. the mum and the grandmother say at the same time nah yeah <laughs> there's, there's nothing, nothing there's nothing there's great. nothing no perks about being <laughs> a woman yeah. oh my god I know it's it's very dark. I mean, I'm seeing the progress of women in our period of time, but still, it's not enough, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but moving on to our cultural consumptions, uh, elsewhere, Helen, uh, I've just ranted about mm. um, one of my favourite books ever. What have you been reading? You've been reading Another White Writer. Yeah. Not, yeah, uh, I've yeah. been reading uh, Another White Writer, which is very rare for me because I'm trying to pick up books that's written by women of colour or at least people of colour or Indigenous writers. Um, but this book, I can't remember, was it given to me from by you or someone else? Probably? Yes, I did, Jennifer Egan. Yeah. Candy House. Candy House. Um, oh, my God. I don't know where to start with this book. Honestly, it's very confusing. It's a very complex writing. There's no solid direction apart from the central aspects of on your consciousness. I think you you want like this kind of book because it's very what? technical sci-fi. Oh, I hate sci-fi. It's it's almost like a it's it's the center aspect is about a memory database that can be viewed as a virtual reality, like years or decades later. Right. Uh, there's right. too way too many characters to follow, way too many perspectives. The structure is a mess, and I know that, <laughs> that this <laughs> this book has been given a very high rating but it's just oh, not God, for me um the oh, books jumps around stories and timelines it can be very difficult to follow at times there's like sub stories about 
a white male that failed his life and regained or reclaimed through like a deep near death experience. There's a sub story about an upper class uh, white woman like they're pitting each other at the country club. There's a story mm. of a spy which written like a script. Um, mm. It's not a normal conventional writing. It's like a the script part oh. is like the indication of every movement in the sentence form. Oh, that sounds excruciating and to read. There's a thirty page <laughs> long chapter of email format section of email correspondence between ten people. Like you just have to try to follow each character. It's just so Gosh. hard. And you know, I admire you for I admire yeah. you for going on. <laughs> My life is too short. I have like I'm not a completionist. I if I don't like if you haven't captured me in like ten pages, I'm I'm out, babe. I'm out. That's why I thought I I have no idea how it got past the editors. Is it because that Gosh. she's a um her previous book won the what's it called the oh, so many prize winning yeah. novel the Manhattan Beach right a, a visit from the Goon Squad. Oh yeah. So she's a book winner, like a prize winner. So I'm assuming that's probably what got her through this book. But I don't know. The Guardian's review say it's a book of memories being uploaded and shared, and about loneliness of hyperconnectivity. But I somehow I just feel like it's just trying to reflect on our society of the usage on social media, and that's it. But it's making it so complicated. (laughs) I'm surprised that I'm almost finished the book, but I'm just gonna give it one wow, star. Good on you, good on you, <laughs> Helen. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's a very strange book. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> and and like you know, I've been talking a lot to um, my partner this week about our reading yeah. habits, and um, I, I really don't read that much. I'm oh yeah, to say. you do. You do read really? a lot. I don't feel like I read a lot. Did you I write down the those... books that you read? Or no, well, just... at the beginning of every year, I start the list. Mm-hmm. Right, and then like within April, uh, you, you forgot know, bef- about it around. Yeah, I've just forgotten because I I also read for my review job at SMH yeah. and the Age, and um, and then I read like outside of that. But like I I'm also I'm not a completionist. I I often end up putting books down. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm I disappointed in myself. Like I wish I read more. <laughs> yeah, I wish I read more. Um, like constantly reading. You know, books books are the best. Books and movies are what make my life extremely, extremely fulfilled, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and speaking of film this week, well, uh, I wanted to talk about, of course, like we're an Asian podcast, so we can't <laughs> not talk about the biggest kind of um, show that's dropped on Netflix in the last two weeks or so. It's called Partner Track, mm-hmm. and it is based on a book by Helen Wang. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the book was published in 2013, so almost a decade ago now. Mm-hmm. Only took that long for an yeah, Asian yeah, exactly. work to be adapted. <laughs> yeah, um, but basically, it follow it's a legal drama that follows a quirky legal drama that follows an Asian American um, lead woman who's trying to get partner mm-hmm. um, track. And I, I will just start by saying I fucking hate legal dramas. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to I say f- that for you, but I I hate them liked, so yeah. much. Like I think the worst show is Suits. Right, I just oh, I hate no, suits. Never, I hate suits. Top, yeah. like I could spend a whole four. I could spend a whole day just like ranting to someone about the reasons, listing the mm. reasons I hate the le- legal dramas and therefore hate the legal world. Mm. So that's it's the most like um tragic, scathingly and like unappealing space of toxic 
um, insecure overachievers. Seriously, the the legal world is just gross with people who, especially like people who work in acquisitions, which is like the late the lead character of this. Her name is uh, Ingrid Yang mm-hmm. Young Yang, Y U N G or Y U N. Y U N Yon, I think. Yon. Yeah, Young, yeah. and um, she is like kind of she's like slim, she's pretty, she's got like um, straight black hair that's like neatly curled, and everyone around her is like a posse of private school boy lookalikes, mm-hmm. like white men in suits who yeah. literally look like clones of each other. Um, and except for her so, best two. Friends. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, it's, the it's you know, typical, so typical sidekicks, the gay black guy, yeah. Yeah. and then her kind of sassy, usually given to a person of color, but this time it's a sassy white girl. Mm. Um, but she's never a blonde. She's always a brunette. Did you realize yeah. that? No, I didn't. It's always like yeah, because that the friends of the sidekicks are always. Well, I only seen the trailer, but I can al- mm. al- already imagine the premises that he has been set out for this um, comedy slash drama. It's always oh, yeah. like that, like the psychic. I really like that because because like a, a, a blonde always, would, yeah. yeah, a blonde would trump her power. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. They would never cast a blonde, a blonde as a in friend. a psychic role, oh, yeah. especially wait, if the lead role is a woman of color. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, um, off the cuff, I'm like very unsympathetic to wanting to know about this character because, like, um, there is nothing more unappealing to me than. Um, than a person who wants partner track, like who wants any kind of power in a legal mm. uh, context. It's just like for me, I'm like I'm walking away 10,000 miles right now, like away from you. I'm running away. I'm bolting because mm. like I'm not interested in anyone who has that kind of ambition, you know? Mm. Um, and uh, But, you know, last night I uh, watched the first three episodes, which is like okay. kind of – it's hypocritical. That's amazing for because, you. <laughs> yeah, because like I first saw the first ten minutes with my best friends uh, over the weekend, who are two gay men. Like from the first opening line, Billy was like, "Do you like it, Jesse?" I was like, "No." I tuned out. Like I tuned out immediately. Oh, but you still watched the three episodes. Yeah, there, in the beginning, the first episode, there was a voiceover of Ingrid saying something about Newton's law, and I was like. This is so boring. I don't. <laughs> I don't care for Newton's law and like uh, talking about law and legal stuff. I don't know why I've kept watching. I really don't. I think it's because um is there a romance I think thing that I I'm yeah you attracted I to think, the romance. Well, first of all, um the men, the two men who she's kind of like there's a love triangle as there always is. Basic um, white males again. Male, female lead, yeah. Um and they the one is like a hedge fund son of oh. a hedge fund seed person, <laughs> so boring, dull. Yeah, um and the other one is like a British Jude Law, Hugh Grant wannabe, who has like the most <laughs> exotic. He's a British. wet blanket, basically. Yeah, he's a wet blanket. Um, they both look very like ugh, just gross. Just both n- very basic wet blanket um, attractiveness. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason why I went back to it, Helen, is because I was like, oh, I, kind of as an Asian, I owe it to myself to at least you watch want the to pilot. Support. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to see where it goes. Right. They do make a couple of white people jokes, like the basicness of like her sister, her younger sister, who just drops out of Juilliard in the first second episode. I think we meet her. She um she says like, "Oh, you're dating like the most whitest white white kind of guy." <laughs> um and I and yeah and then I was like, "Yeah, that's true. That's a good point." Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know if I'll keep going to be honest. Um, maybe if I like have if I'm bored and I have like one of those evenings where I just want to 
watch a show in the bathtub.、Mm-hmm. But at the moment, it's okay. I mean, I don't know. Just like the way that they paint her, she's like constantly. Um, listening to podcasts about、um, legal reform changes,、mm-hmm. she's always working like late into the night. She's in the office by herself, so she goes home alone.、Um, like so, we're we're made to believe that she is like really, really, really like she lives her life. Like her life is her career, her job.、Mm-hmm. But like, um, but I, the, uh, like the back of my mind, I'm like, why? Like, why does she want to make partner? We don't really understand her motivation. Like what is beyond the fact of wanting to make partner? You so、know? you don't really see the background or the reasons, like if there's yeah, it just it's never like made a push from the family or yeah, she like why she wants yeah, yeah, why she wants to make partner. And like I often thought about that when I was when I was like in two years of my life during my twenties, I was like Ingrid Young, like I you know was working around law firms and working in a law firm, and I、mm-hmm. like I. And I like interacted with barristers, and whenever I was in the room with barristers, I was like, "Oh my god, they're gods!"、Mm-hmm. I literally had like a god complex, like thinking, you know, people wearing those wigs and those suits, like they were like, <laughs> there was nothing sexier to me than a barrister back then when I was like twenty eight.、Um, and obviously, I was deluded, and I'm glad <laughs> I, f- I found found the light. But like, it became a point where I suddenly realized, um, like, why did these people do what they did? A lot of them were. You know, narcissistic bores. They had like champagne lunches on Fridays, where you know,、um, they all they talked about was cricket. You know, these men are just obsessed with cricket. That's it, and they had no lives outside of their jobs. And oh, it was just yeah. I I really passionately hate the law, the law field.、Mm. I guess it depends on what sort of laws or the cases that they're doing. I think that kind of not segregate but differentiate the type of lawyers that you're meeting as well. I mean, the lawyers that I meet at my volunteer、um, work with Jake, my therapy dog, most of them do like DV cases. Yeah, I think that's a lot of them are supporting a woman. So, and、yeah. a lot, of, most of、yeah. them have dogs, so it's easier、yeah. to have a conversation with them. Yeah, exactly. But whereas, I guess, mainly in Sydney or certain、oh, areas, will be like、exactly. corporate laws, or、oh. I don't know that those are those sort of cases are just like white. Color crimes, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs>、yeah. Oh, it shits me to think that I wasted all those years <laughs> of my life pursuing a dream that had zero、um, essence or meaning, no soul. There's no soul or comedy in it, really. Oh well, yeah. I just before we take a break, I just wanted to also mention、um, at the Ritz Randwick、um, Cinema in、mm. uh, Randwick, <laughs>、uh, they're doing eighty five. Eighty-five films in eighty-five days, I think, which、wow. is like celebrating eighty-five years of Randwick Ritz, which、okay. is amazing.、Mm-hmm. Brand, the, I'd say Randwick Ritz is one of those institutions where I'm not quite familiar with. Has it been so, that like, long? Eighty-five years. Yeah. Oh my god. So、um, I like my go-to is obviously Dendi Newtown,、yeah. and like, I, like the first film I've ever watched was Flubber. With my mum and my sister in like ninety six. Really, you in George seeing... Street cinemas. Oh, George Street! I thought that. Well, yeah, okay, I think it was Flubber, or or it could have been Jurassic Park. I think it was. I remember it was Jurassic Park for me. Oh,、okay. I don't know about Flubber. Flubber is a okay, lot、yeah. more earlier, isn't it? I feel like it? it's like an eighties. I thought it was ninety six. Oh no no no! <laughs> it has one of my favorite actresses in it, Marsha Gay Harden, who、mm. we're going to talk about later on this episode.、Um, but so, and last week,、uh, my partner's favorite film is a hundred one hundred.、Uh, sorry, one hundred one Dalmatians. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not 101 Dalmatians. It's a number. It's 2001: Space Odyssey. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so we went to watch that.、Uh-huh. It was a Wednesday night. It was fucking 
packed. I kid you not. Yeah, I, because it it's was, quite an iconic it was, it, film. Yeah. I didn't. I thought there was going to be like fifteen people. <laughs> there was literally like a thousand people wow. in this, packed in this um, cinema. I've tiny never been cinema. To a bigger. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it wasn't tiny. It's one of their biggest cinemas. Um, I think it was their their largest cinema. Um, but um, yeah, it was. It was. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> Just because, like, you had so many people around. A lot of them were in their early 20s, probably a, a first time seeing the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, um, I, I I didn't explain it. The Ritz is putting on, like, classic films every night for t- for 85 days. Mm-hmm. And that day, uh, last Wednesday, was uh, 2001 Space, Space Odyssey, Odyssey, which obviously we have seen. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, the, the, the movies. So I think in the beginning stages when it happened a few months, when this started in August, they were showing films from the 50s mm-hmm. and they're progressive. It's chronological basically. Yes. Um, and I've seen that towards September. They have Amelie, Francis Ha, Eternal Sunshine, one of my, oh, you know, a list of all, all my of favorite the movies. The ones that you love, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm hopefully going to go see um, a couple of those. It's going to be good. So um yeah that's um that's, that's amazing what, that's what I've been doing yeah okay uh let's take a quick break and when we come back we're just going to reflect through the week uh of some news items that we picked up we'll be right back Okay, so we're back. Um, so this week, I don't know if anyone's been following the news, but I've seen the um, sentencing of the Dawson's case. I don't even remember the guy's name, but I already remember the... Chris Dawson? Chris Dawson, exactly, that's right. Yeah, yeah he's been sentenced of the murdering of his wife, which was, happened, which was a cold case, and it was um, kind of... It was kind of reopened because of a podcast. I think it was a yeah, journalist. Yeah, Teacher's Pet. Yeah, started. From the Australian. That's right, Teacher's Pet, and then um, reopened, reinvestigated, and now he's been, um, it's been finalised. I think he can reappear or something again. But when really? I saw mm. the news, because um, I never followed, I kind of vaguely heard about the news, you know, a little mm. while ago. And when it's finalised, and when I found out that because of a podcast that they re opened that case to reinvestigate <laughs> I was just thinking that the similarity of murders in the building the second season how it was right. because of a podcast and a body that was never found resulted yes. into like another murder or you, you know it's it's very complicated but I was just thinking oh is it is this a coincidence you know like and we, we still couldn't like the police hasn't found Lynette Dawson's body yeah. And he, he hasn't admitted where he... Like, he, he, he's always said that he's innocent. Mm. So I wondered how that they can sentence him, you know, saying that he is guilty. Yeah. Like, perhaps they have gathered enough evidence. But that was just something that I found a little bit more fascinating. Might look into it a little bit later. And yeah. another new story you had uh, regarding an individual called... As as uh, Lau, what yeah. was that, Helen? I um to just give everyone a content warning that um this news involves like suicide and mental health mm-hmm. issues. Um, it was such a sad incident um, that I saw was over last weekend that the police of New South Wales given out a notice 
We're sending out a notice that saying that there's a missing Asian female around Rye, you know, Hughes area. Oh, okay. And who is also a mom because it was, you know, that everyone shared amongst, you know, interconnected groups on Facebook. And yeah. they really emphasized on the idea of she's a mom. Like it happens every time when there's a mom's missing, everyone's like, like on their top alert because there's a child involved or something like that. Right, right. But um, it happens to be that um, she's a doctor. She's a GP. She's a GP as well. And mm-hmm. um, her body was found uh, and reported that there's no suspicious to her death. So, you know, I'm not going to assume, but perhaps everyone knows it will be like suicide. Mm. And there's a lot of comments of the reasons behind her death. You know, perhaps there's a pressure of being a GP, being a mother. But at the end of the day, we don't want to suspect the reason. There's a millions of reasons that people decided to do what they do. But um, I just want to emphasize that, you know, uh, seek for help if you have um, hit the rock bottom, lifeline beyond blue, or even get a dog. It's just very sad that when I saw it, because... You don't see this kind of notifications that often on yeah. the social media page, and it, re- it received a lot of responses. Yeah, people, I especially even because heard about this because she's a GP as well. Because you never be on social media, Jess. Oh, I hate yeah. I hate being online. You know, also you know, been been a case of suicide that journalists don't report about it. Right. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And finally, um, I just want to talk about briefly on Father's Day, and I think because Helen's favorite day <laughs> are always gendered days. <laughs> Our listeners would know by now that I hate these kind of days, but uh, specifically, one um, Father's Day gift item that we both saw. I saw it. Oh, yes. <laughs> the- I saw it on the TV when we went uh, on holidays about two weeks ago. <laughs> It was on TV. It was on like, like an ad. And you know how I feel about ads. They're mm-hmm. like such a novelty to yeah. me. Um, so we're talking about the VB's um, Father's Day gift pack. And for those yeah. who are... Beauty gift packs. non not So for those who are non-Aussies, VB's Victorian Bitter is a brand of beer that is almost beer, everywhere. Yeah. It's a very common drink for... Um, I'm going to be so judgmental here for a certain socioeconomic groups. Um, I think VB is a beer that often been associated tradies. with tradies or bogan culture, isn't it? <laughs> um, the great Australian lad, basically. Yeah, that kind of group. The lad. Yeah. Um, so VB has released a range of skincare for Father's Day gift, which I was rather speechless about it when I yeah, saw I it. Yeah, I thought it was a joke. I, I thought, really it, was thought it was a joke as well, yeah. So the ad has like a, a typical... <laughs> Uh, white do- douchebag-looking dude <laughs> with a beard, of course. I mean, men love their beards. Um, kind of like slapping on products with the VB logo on it, mm-hmm. like beauty products. And yeah. I just thought it was a joke, right? Uh-huh. And until like two days ago, I stepped inside a chemist warehouse. warehouse and then like I saw an entire <laughs> shelf full of these VB face scrubs, uh-huh. hand cream, shaving cream, lotion, and I took a picture and sent it to Helen and I was like, this was not a joke. <laughs> it's not real. Yeah. 
I oh. think there's certainly a humor in producing the products of this sort, but it's also funny yeah. for me that most men, you know, um, I'm talking about cis heterosexual men, don't really yeah. use skincare or they no, use they very don't. little skincare. I don't understand yeah. it. And like my, like for, I don't know how your partner is, Helen, but my partner has absolutely flawless, beautiful skin. And I'm like, you yeah, because never, he's too young. You, you've never put any. <laughs> No, he's in his 30s now, but, like, I'm like, what the f... Like, he's never put anything on it, and it's still, like, absolutely supple. Yeah. <laughs> I think men has that... Some men has that kind of advantage, yes. They just have to shave, and that's it, and put sunscreen yeah, on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was really hard for me to fathom the connection between VB and men's skincare. I mean, I wonder if VB is trying to, like, reinvent itself, like its own branding image and soften the masculinity by producing skincare. You know, I really do wonder if, how many products they're selling. Yeah, yeah. I, I really do wonder. I wonder if it's, it's only like a, a once-off, you know. Yeah, once to launch off. this product. Uh-huh. Yeah, and there was a lot of them. It wasn't just I like know. a few. It was like an entire shelf yeah. filled with them. You think it would be like, oh, maybe a deodorant and that's it. You know, sometimes that's the another product that a lot of men would use. Yeah, and... You know, like I have to say, <laughs> you know, I, I there are moments in my life every few months where I go on kind of like a YouTube binge where I watch like Kaya Gerbera or like um, <laughs> um, what's another beautiful young like um, YouTuber Instagram influencer. Person. Yeah. yeah, like oh Emma Emma Chamberlain doing their like um, uh, skincare routine, mm-hmm. and like I I find kind of pleasure. Like there are moments like maybe one or two times a year where I find those very comforting just because I honestly love looking at beautiful women like Mm. it's so it's so soothing for me like I I love that I guess also because I'm like I wish I was like that but like deep down uh, often they'll say often the commonalities between these women who always make these videos is they always say I love taking half an hour of my morning doing skincare routine I feel like it's um I feel like it's self-care and this is like um you know, Hayley Bieber, I'm obsessed with Hayley Bieber because she's, like, really obsessed with this idea of, like, self-care. And, uh, like, um, eight, ten times out of ten, Helen, I'm always, like, I don't give a shit about, like, I, if I could, I wouldn't have, like, I do put cream on, yeah. but, like, it's a chore for me. I fucking hate I know. it. You know, yeah. I don't find any pleasure in putting on makeup. I don't find any pleasure in shaving my underarms. That's why I've stopped doing it. I don't find any pleasure in um, trying to make myself pretty or beautiful mm-hmm. because it's just like, fuck, oh, I'm so lazy, you know? Like, mum used to say to me, you just, have to look you're after not, your you're skin. Not, yeah. yeah, she said to me, um, you're not unattractive, you're just lazy. And yeah. I'm like, I can't be fucked. You this, know, like, this commercial line in Taiwan that was really popular saying that, oh, there's no ugly woman, there's only lazy woman. You know, for skincare... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm so lazy. I, I, and um, Hillary Clinton's character in um in Rodham says it's the pink tax, where like yes. on average, female politicians spend um about an hour every day. Oh my more, god! Oh, um, than female just across the board. I think yeah, we exactly, just have, they to have to have that time. Yeah. To... and then when she doesn't have makeup on, um, journalists say, "Are you sick? Are you?" Ill? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so like I get again, again, again. May I repeat? I wish I was born a man. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there is nothing good about being a woman. Yeah, it's <sighs> so funny. I will drop this. I will drop this argument one day. Um, but yeah, like uh, I, I, I do yeah. wonder. Going back to the VB, um, the VB products, like um, I wonder what kind of kids will get that for their dad. Yeah, I know. Because like, as if any guy 
I don't I, I don't want to speak for women, but I feel like I can speak for men. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but like, as if any guy would be like, ooh, facial product, ooh, face cream. Like, I don't see straight cis men enjoying, you know, like making their making their bodies like smooth or like nice smelling. Do do men care about that? I don't know. Do, maybe, do they? Maybe, like, maybe there's a trend. I, I've seen certainly for the younger generation of men that there is a trend. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're trying more to look into... after themselves, they're yeah, like looking yeah. after their skin um, on top of, you know, uh, sunscreen products. But I don't know about the older. I mean, VB I just, is yeah. usually drinking. It's drink by the older. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah. So, and also, can, uh, just for listeners who don't know, VB only came back in recent years. Like it stopped being made for many decades in in the in the noughties and then it only came back recently. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That I don't know the if they're trying to reinventing themselves, yeah, the branding and things like that. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah, and it's kinda of like on par with Fosters. Are, are Fosters still around? I don't know. I'm not a beer drinker, no, so never drink. Yeah, I think actually, the beer industry headache, has been so like crowded with a lot of smaller breweries now. So those yeah, exactly. Um, pastime major brands has been. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, still. I'm, I'm sure they're still being drank. I'm uh-huh. still. I'm sure they're still being drank by like pubs out in you know the rural regional areas of Australia. You know, like outside of Narrickville or um, St Peter's, <laughs> where they're literally like every street there's a microbrewery starting mm. up. Yeah. But yeah, like self-care and all that, I'm just like, oh, another chore that I'm, I have to make myself do because like I can't like let my skin go dry, you know. Mm. Ugh, I hate it. I, I, like seriously, Helen, I have to force myself <laughs> to put on cream every night. I freaking hate it. It's so wahal I like the, I, th- I feel like the older I get, the less interested in feminizing myself or like being pretty or like being being like acceptable to the just, to another human I've become. You just don't give <laughs> because, a fuck. Yeah. Yeah, because I found myself someone who loves me. Yeah, do you, yeah, I, just, that's yeah. what I was about to say is that because yeah, you're with someone so you're just like, yeah, whatever, you know, compared yeah, to maybe. Uh, maybe perhaps, you know, yeah. a single woman that they still need to Effort. maintain a, a certain standard oh, yeah. of our, you know, our um, appearance. Yeah. I don't know. From one story, and finally in our last story for this week's news news items, um, I want to talk about Leo's Law, which is, of course, news about Leonardo DiCaprio breaking up with his model girlfriend who turned 25 this year. <laughs> and um, Leo's never Law Never over is, 28. He's yeah, always under 28. He's, he's, he's the, the 25. He's never 20. dated anyone over oh, 25. Oh, okay, 25. Yeah. Bloody hell. So he is now, <clears throat> Leo is turning 48 in November. Mm-hmm. And um, basically Leo's Law is this kind of chart that a Reddit user had made up um, and it basically charts all the previous girlfriends that, he ha- that he's had and the cutoff line for him dumping them is when they reach 25. Wow. So okay. Leo has only ever dated supermodels or actresses under the age of 25, mm. which, you know, a lot of people laugh about, you know, um, Ricky Gervais poked fun, at, po- poked fun at him mm. two, two years ago at Golden Globes. Amy Schumann poked fun at him. You know, the whole whole world knows about Leo's tendency Dating um, and desires for young dating women, younger, yeah. yeah, younger women. But the thing is, like, I find that um, we can take this kind of news item and this phenomena of this one dude who, you know, nobody actually cares about. I don't care about Leonardo DiCaprio. And, um, you know, we can laugh about it, but the, but really, if you think deeply about it, Helen, as I have for a few hours this week, it's like kind of it speaks to a more nefarious tendency, 
I guess, for the world um, and the desires of this one man who, you know, he's very revered and respected in Hollywood. The fact that he only dates women under 25 speaks a lot to kind of the values that he has and the values that are still being prioritised by such an influential, important Hollywood figure. You know, he's like a legendary Hollywood actor, right? And the fact that he only, like, his only romantic desires are for, very specifically, women of a certain um, physical type Mm -hmm. and a certain age, kind of, for me, it's really, like, kind of icky and, like I said before, nefarious. It's, like, really... It's, it's kind of like the end extreme point to my point before much earlier when I said, like, women can only be valued for their physical um, aesthetics, you know, mm. and um, it's really depressing, I find, and kind of very dangerous, this idea that the powerful, you know, media person can be, like, the way that people kind of poke fun at him but, like, not forwardly criticise him in a way that, you know, I think it perhaps deserves. Mm. I don't know. I find it very troubling, just the fact that yeah. the way the way in which people just joke about it. I just think it speaks to a more dangerous phenomena about patriarchy. Yeah, certainly. I think it's nothing new that a lot of men, especially older men, go for women who are a lot more younger than themselves. And often yeah. those men could be like married for three or four times and they start yeah. dating women who's like their kids' age or even their grandkids' age. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's totally. so disgusting. I actually had a, like a random discussion with uh, my friends about this a little while ago. Yeah. Some of their defense was that, oh, what if that the woman, the younger woman, is trying to look for someone who is mature enough? But the men at her own age are not mature enough yet. That's one of the reasons that amongst our group that we talked about. And I can understand that because my... But that also gives excuses for males at the same age not to be childish. As in, they don't grow up, you know. It's like, oh, the society don't expect us to be mature until we're like fucking 40. So we're just not going to act childish. But that's not really it. And... Like, this is going to be kind of contradicting myself because my husband is a couple of years older than me and all the relationships, most of the 90% of relationships I see amongst my friends, you know, it's always like the men are older than the the woman. Same here. Yeah. Same here. But it's just I'm an anomaly. Yeah, yeah, you're the different one. You're the unique. (laughs) Um, But I think it's just um, given the excuse for men to feel like they're more powered over the woman, which is not right. That's why I don't like, um, I don't know if number is important, but I think anything that's over 12 years differences, it's a bit, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, but I always feel like there are cases in Hollywood around celebrity, Sophia's, uh, I just don't, I just think that uh, that's just not right. Especially for those men who already know the woman since they were since kids. The, yeah, kids. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to name a specific Chinese singer. I think he's quite popular. So um, some people will go, you know, to get me if I say his name out. But mm, there's, mm. there's this singer who's super talented and his partner's like he he know he knew her since she was like seventeen, and they start dating when she was only like seven, um, 
seventeen, just before she turned eighteen. Hmm. And he was almost thirty. And mm. no, he was he was more than thirty at the time. Yeah. And everyone's saying that oh, what a lovely couple. You know, they're so both talented, so good looking. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know what to say about that. I just yeah. feel like you're. I would have been purposely trying to target the younger women who are, you know, newly out vulnerable. of school and vulnerable yeah. as well. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, that's that's the because thing, like, of their their position of power and yeah. popularity makes yeah. them right to do that. Or yeah. yeah, exactly. And like um, and it's that's the thing when I think about Leo dating these women who are like in their twenty in their early twenties, women who haven't had the life experience that mm. he's had. Yeah. Um, just from sheer the number of years they've been on the planet, it kind of says to me he likes um knowing more than his partner. He obviously yeah. likes someone who doesn't know as much as he does. Yes, and a lot of men get off from that kind of power. Mm-hmm. Like I and um, just a lot of men like being the one with more knowledge in the mm-hmm. relationship. Like they get off mm-hmm. from that, mm-hmm. and I think that's yeah that that could possibly be part of why a lot of men they no you know end up dating younger women because they not only like. Um, you know, their physical bodies, but also, like, they like being the one in which they have more knowledge, they have more life experience, they can teach their partner things, you know, Mm. like, and that's why I've never been attracted to older men because, like, and I don't think older men have ever, like, I've never, I remember in uni I had a crush on my lecturer who was about 12 years older than me, Mm -hmm. and he, thankfully, he never, um, even though I, I had a massive crush on him, thankfully he never pursued me. I never pursued him actively because, like, I was this geeky, awkward person who hid all her desires, you know. Mm. Um, but, like, um, I'm glad that I never had – I think naturally I just wouldn't have been one of those people who had those kind of relationships because um, I'm actually someone who who doesn't like being in a relationship where the man is, like, way more knowledgeable, way more knowledgeable than I am. Like, I like to be in a relationship where I um, – um, I know just as much as my partner, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't like a sort of unbalanced um, degree mm-hmm. of uh, life experience or knowledge. You know, yeah. I've always dated people who have been very similar to me in terms of like intellect and knowledge and you know reading. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get off from like being with someone who's older and can like teach me stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That to me is not attractive. I don't get turned on by that. Mm-hmm. I think the position of equality in a relationship is very, very, very important. And I never, like, I never liked, like, it's not for me to judge, but I never really um, enjoyed reading stories or uh, movies about relationships that flourish between a teacher and a student. I think and a student, yeah, it's yeah. It's just the abuse of power. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, the power dynamics. I mean, I, I've seen relationships that actually flourish from there, but I, yeah, 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 but none of them really turn out that good. Yeah, pers- yeah. I'm thinking yeah. about that movie with um Carrie Mulligan when she was like super young. One of her first roles is called An Education. Did you ever uh, see? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's such a beautiful film, but I kind of it kind of romanticizes that, doesn't it? A lot that of yeah, student. a lot of um, a lot of films and dramas have. Romanticize, yeah, romanticize that kind that. of yeah. that kind of relationship, grooming, which is grooming, exactly basically. yeah. Now yeah. we talk about it, it's grooming. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It is. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. It's just power. Exactly. It's just all about power. Yeah. It's really all about power. <sighs> okay. We're going to take a break and when we come back, we're kind of going to stay on this idea of like, you know, age, ageism, mm-hmm. tropes, things, and talk about um, a thing that I've been noticing in recently. Um, it's not new, but it's the kind of like, this thing I've been thinking about and seeing, it's kind of the trope of the middle-aged woman on TV presented in a particular way. And when we come back, I'll expand on it. We often talk about wanting to read a wider variety of books and stories and watch diverse art productions, theatres or films. But where do we get them? How do we get them? Most mainstream media platforms and bookstores are flooded with products that are created by and for the white majority of Australia. As an Asian growing up in Australia, the only source for me to access anything that remotely resonated with my life was Chatswood Library, where they stock some Asian writers' works. Yeah, shout out to Chatswood Library. However, most of these books are in Asian languages, which benefited the first generation of immigrants who could still read Chinese or the Asian languages and were learning on the English. What about books for second or subsequent generations of immigrants, like Helen? Well, not like Helen. Helen can read Chinese, <laughs> but like me. Or even the First Nations people who want to read stories about them in English. Reading across broader cultural perspectives represents diversity as a natural phenomenon. Normalizing racially representative stories shares knowledge that breaks down the mentality of an us-slash-them binary and exposes the norms of the dominant culture as a constructed rather than universal nature. The publishing industry of the West has long been dominated by white men who, and you know, just look at the books that we have prescribed in the school syllabus. We were told to read books written by white men and were instilled in the idea that white men's opinions are important and righteous. Mm. The 2019 Diversity Baseline Survey estimates that the industry in, the, in Australia is 76% overall white and 82% white in editorial departments. Um, with author Roxane Gay's 2011 examination of book reviews in the New York Times, a traditional platform found 88% of the review books to be white authored. How does this impact our world as women of colour in the West? Mm, it means that women of colour go through more roadblocks when entering publishing when we want to share our stories. And the dynamic power dynamic of the industry exhibits the idea that minority voices do not matter or minority voices like value in the publishing industry, which obviously we believe and we know, in a fact, is not true. So we have Amplified Bookstore, which is an initiative by Amazing Marina and Shane, who took upon themselves and are dedicated to promote books by black indigenous and people of color writers. Every month, the team at Amplified Bookstore curates a list of brilliant books that will expand readers' horizons and offer opportunities to deepen your insights of alternative perspectives. When we say representation matters, it does not stop at the point where a BIPOC writer starts to share their story on paper. The representation needs to expand to all areas of publishing, including editors, marketing, sales, and so on. 
Amplified Bookstore is here to advocate the importance of the retail store that is giving the voice and the platform that ensues that these writers are being seen rather than being placed at the bottom of the shelf by the major bookstores. What Amplified Bookstore is doing is to encourage and create a space for non-white authors to write as themselves. Publishers, book buyers and readers need to be more inclusive. Insider authors are much more likely to feature well-rounded protagonists from their same culture. This allows representative stories that enable white people to read about POC without disregarding them as other. Mm, precisely. And, excitingly, thanks to Amplify Bookstore this month, they're giving away an Oceana box to our listeners. The box will contain three books chosen by Marina and Swan. So the books will be BIPOC writers of Australia and New Zealand. To enter, please follow our Instagram page, like the giveaway post and share the post or tag your friends. The winner will be drawn on the 2nd of September. That's right guys, so you still have a few weeks to get your entries in. So follow them, like them, stay tuned for further updates. It's a very, very exciting three set of books. I myself cannot wait to get my hands onto them. Get on board, guys, and um, hop onto Instagram and get your to uh, get your entries in to uh, win this amazing collection of books. Good luck, everyone. Good luck. Okay, so we're back. Um, Mm. I just want to preface this by saying for some of the shows I'm going to mention, there's three shows I want to mention that um, are examples of this trope I will be talking about. Yes. I haven't seen the entire series of these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't even seen one show in this example, <laughs> but I've seen. I've talked to a lot of people and I've seen the trailer. But you it's can kind, kind of, of like get a gist of it. Yeah, yeah. To, to kind of what I'm... Yeah, wanting to speak on. And it's this idea, like, so basically, Helen, I've noticed um, when I watched um, Uncoupled, which is a show on Netflix Mm -hmm. that dropped about a month ago. Yes. It centers on this gay guy, Neil Patrick Harris, who has just been left by his partner of 17 years. And uh, he's not the person I want to focus on. Um, so in this in this um, show, he has a client. He is a real estate agent for, Mm. like, top, top tier people, billionaires. Um, and uh, one of his clients is a woman played by Marsha Gay Harden. Um, she plays a character called Claire, who has recently been left by her husband of like several decades. They have teenaged children, um, and it was very sudden. Like he had cheated on her. Mm-hmm. She she suddenly is like left to collect herself. I guess after decades of being married to this one guy, and it's like he's he's now with a very young blonde woman, mm-hmm. and um, and then. I guess from I'll talk more about that, but then this character, this character's kind of um, trope, I was I saw also in Loot, which is a Apple TV show, mm-hmm. starring Maya Rudolph, um, and it's a very similar um, storyline to Claire's in Uncoupled, where middle aged woman she is I believe she's turning forty five in the pilot, <laughs> uh, her and her husband is basically like Elon Musk. Um, he he throws her a big birthday bash, but during this day she finds out that he's cheating on her with their like 20, 22-year-old like assistant or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started thinking like um, why is it that I'm seeing the portrayal of older women 
only in such narrow terms, like always being cheated on, mm. always trying to like find themselves, their lives after being married. And like it, it yeah. was like disheartening for me because I thought if I'm f- in my 40s and I'm seeing these narratives, to be honest, it kind of gives me a bit of it's anxiety. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah and I'm like, is this inevitably what I will face? Like will I be cheated on? Mm. Like is that natural for me to feel that? I think it's definitely natural for you to feel that. But also, I don't think you will feel so insecure because you're very independent. I don't know about, I don't know personally that if you're going to think like that. But um, we've talked about, you know, um, lack of mature age woman on screen. Um, if anyone hasn't uh, listened to our episodes on uh, 132, mm. I believe, Act Your Age campaign, you know, because the, mm. previously we think that the very stereotypical portrayal of senior or mature woman on screen, they're often depicted as like senile, homebound, feeble, or maybe frumpy. And I think, are we actually making a progression because we're moving like a, a, a image, an image of a mature woman from that kind of um, stereotypical image to another image of they're being cheated. So it's, yeah, it's from it's... one depressive position to another depressive position. To another, position. exactly. It's yeah. I don't know. Like I don't know if I find it like super empowering. Yeah. Or like because the thing is, the thing is, what what links these two narratives is mm. the fact that they're uber rich. Yes. Like you know, um, uh, in Loot, Maya Rudolph is married to a billionaire, and then mm-hmm. she gets half his. Um, she has this foundation wealth. or something like that. Yeah, she becomes like she basically. It's based. Uh, people are thinking like the rumor is that it's based loosely on Bill Clinton, Bill, Bill Gates, and ah, yeah. Melinda, Melinda Gates, Gates. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so and she's a big shot philanthropist, you know, and so that she's obviously super loaded. Claire, um, Marsha Gay Harden's character in Uncoupled, she's it's like too uber wealthy, wealthy as well. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like. Um, I wonder why these narratives exist. Like when you think about narratives that we see in popular mainstream media, mm. they exist because um, on some deep level, underlying level, um, the stories need to relate to people, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that okay, um, a lot of women do find themselves um, divorced in their thirty, uh, in their forties or fifties, right? Mm-hmm. But most of us are not gazillionaires. Yes. So I'm like, do they exist on screen because they just want, they're comforting to watch? Like if I was a divorced 45-year-old and my husband had cheated on me, will I find these stories very comforting? Probably, maybe, but also like super depressing because, because like we're I, not rich. in my life. Yeah, I'm not rich. <laughs> like not I wealthy. don't have a yacht. I don't have like a, a, a you know stylist that follows me. We'll have every an apartment day. in New York, bloody yeah, hell! Yeah, I don't have and like I yeah, and like with like count like a wardrobe that like is bigger than my entire apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think at the end of the day, I just want um, I want a story where it's like you see a forty-five year old, fifty-year-old couple, and they're happily still married and in love. Where's that? <laughs> But everyone wants to see drama. No one wants to see happiness oh. ever after. I think. That, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and I think that's this is why um, when I think about portrayals of older couples who are happily mm. and still in love, um, they stay with me for a long time because they're so rare. Like for instance, uh, Night Sky, which is a show on yes. I believe Paramount Plus uh-huh. with um, CC Spacek and um, what's his name, the guy from Whiplash. That old dude from Whiplash. Anyway, um, that guy, the the awful awful tutor from Whiplash, who's like super famous and whose name has like passed my mind right now. 
um, they are depicted in a very beautiful couple in that series, mm-hmm. Night Sky. Like, absolutely beautiful. They're very in love. They're kind to each other, you know. Um, another one is um, 45 Years. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. It's with, um, I forget their names, Charlotte Rampage, I think, uh, is the woman. But it's basically, it's a movie based on a short story by David Constantine and it's one of my favourite movies. It's absolutely beautiful. And they... They're in the end years of their life and they are still in love. Another movie that depicts older couples and they're in love still is Amour, which is a French film, but it's really, really depressing. Aww. So, yeah, I don't know if, you know, um, I feel I feel like with um, the other two, uh, they're kind of, they're a bit, I mean, 45 years is still very sad, but um, I just, I wish as a, someone in, still in her 30s, I want to see like, I want to see more positive a future, yeah, of positivity of like mm-hmm. married couples who are still have, who are still really deeply in love. <laughs> I want to see more of that. I'm so sick of like, you know, men cheating on women in the when they get to like fifties. So just like, ugh, so it's just so cliche. Yeah, there's a movie that I want to see, but it's not this. It's not like heterosexual couple. It's um, Stanley. What's his name? Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth, Supernova. It's about oh, a gay yeah. couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the trailer for that. It looks really depressing. Yeah, but I think that's about love of a couple as well. I don't think there's any cheating in that. That's one of the movies I want to see. But coming back to loot, I think it's more like an escapism for average people, right. I'm guessing. Right. You know? And like having Maya Rudolph, like she is partially ah, brilliant woman of colour but I also feel like yeah. she's her character can be played by any blonde a white person yeah, basically white. yeah exactly <laughs> I didn't even know Maya Rudolph's mum is Minnie Ripton uh, who's like the best singer who ever existed yeah I cannot believe I didn't know that but anyway um, but also if you see even she's black po- by the way yeah yeah she's black Minnie Ripton is black yeah oh. so if you even see the poster she, like her skin has been like lightened it's almost really? like a bit whitewash as well so God, I don't know if they're trying so to weird. really empowering a, a person of colour like even saying that um, I saw the trailer is that is there supposed to be like an Asian do? Of her, her yeah, assistant um, or best friend? Joel Kim Booster is her gay Yeah, Asian, from Fire gay, Island, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Joel Kim Booster is her assistant. But there's Just a like trope in, again. There's yeah, exactly. Like in, character in, um, Asian trope. Yeah, gay. Yeah, gay. Like, he doesn't talk. Like he, he, doesn't, he hardly talks. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. It's like um, Hollywood can only manage... Um, Hollywood can only contain people of colour within other marginal groups. Mm. Like, they just squeeze us all into one. Like, yeah. for instance, in Partner Track, the gay um, the gay black guy, um, he's in a relationship with the only other gay black guy in the, car- in the, in the series, you know. Um, and in um, uh, Uncoupled, uh, you know, Claire, Claire's, um, Claire becomes very close to the main character who's a gay guy. Mm. Um, in Loot, you know, um, Maya Rudolph's character... Um, my Rudolph sidekick is a gay Asian guy who parties with her after you know she's been cheated on. It's like, um, it's like the gay the guys only... need to be like compliment to the uh, straight yeah, woman. Yeah, it's like it's like the only way to like um, it's like uh, any time a heterosexual person, a hetero a hetero person for life falls apart, mm. they can only be comforted like um, like um, people of color and also um, queer people are there to like comfort yes comfort them you know yeah. like our role is just procedural it's it's just to comfort the breakdown of our heteronormativity 
you know and it's just like it's fucked up it's so fucked up it's so fucked up and like um when i like it just it really triggers me because like like at the end of the world at the end of the day my philosophy is everyone if everyone was gay in the world the world would be a better place (laughs) like i fucking hate like straight people therefore i fucking hate myself um but yeah it's just like straight toxic people are always kind of like they they just hollywood has a way of just like bunching these other marginalities to mm-hmm. the side to to prop up the hetero the hetero people yeah i yeah, agree with that up. it's similar to what we our previous conversation about how the therapists being like people of color yeah yeah exactly yeah it's very yeah, procedural to that. roles yeah and I find that with with this trope of like the older older middle aged woman being cheated on, um, it kind of reminds me. It's almost like a spiritual reincarnation of the First Wives Club, which is like one of the best films ever. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen it, Helen? I've seen part of it. I think I saw it when you first came out, but it was ages ago. Yeah, and it was it's often great. on Channel Ten yes. in the nineties and on all the Sunday, so, Sunday like Friday night. nights or Friday yeah, night, yeah. yeah, weekend nights, eight thirty. So I I. Yeah, I only recently saw it, I think, like, last year in full. Like, I never saw it as a kid. Mm-hmm. But, it like, it filmed – it filled that, that was a film that, like, it, it talks about women who women have been, been left cheated, by their yeah. – Treated on, right. But, at the, but the way in which it portrays women at the end, the way that the narrative ties up, actually does it in a way that makes me – it made me really happy. Mm-hmm. Like, to, though the end is so comforting. It's really, really comforting. It's such a great watch. Just thinking about, you know, these narratives, you know, this first the first Wife Club, I think it came out in 1995. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, more than, what, almost, almost 30, 30 years, years ago, now, right? Yeah. And, like, we're still having these kind of narrative tropes. Like, oh I God. just, I feel like there will never be a, a moment where this um, idea of the woman, older woman being cheated on, like, it will never be extinguished, unfortunately, as long yeah. as we have men being hetero men. <laughs> valuing a certain type of you know oh i just i can't like straight men i can't i just can't i also really hate it that the it creates some kind of expectation that divorce should be only coming when there's an affair like there's fewer stories about yeah. women cheating on their husbands that's right and, and also there's, there's i mean there's so much reasons to get a divorce but the way that the movie's portrayal is always oh he's cheating on you like it's yeah. the last result and a lot of um affairs also don't end in divorce yeah exactly you know so yeah i agree i agree um, a lot of people stay together exactly yeah yeah so, why don't we have those, those kind of narratives yeah as in how you heal or the process of getting back together or something like that yeah, because we yeah. should be i don't know i i guess everyone have different values towards their marriage or their relationship um as if it's only creating a narrative that society craves or expects more the stories that women been cheated on, you know, rather the other way around, or there's mm. other reasons or because you have divorce or yeah, it's just a very, a, a very old trope that I don't know when. <laughs> it's just not original anymore. I think. Yeah, it is. It's not. Yeah, it's not original at all. Yeah, and um, it is very. I guess. I guess like um. It's not as kind of in, perhaps, perhaps it's not as enticing as a viewer mm. to watch um, to watch a couple try and mend itself after betrayal, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I just I, I don't know. Just someone in her who's not married and is in her thirties. I'm wary of these depictions of older women because I'm like, 
why are there so many of them out there and like why do I am why am I being thrust at these very narrow mm. um narratives where only the women are being betrayed I don't like it mm-hmm. you know I don't mm. like it you were going to talk about the other another drama series Bass Sisters oh yeah so this is yeah this is the one I haven't seen yet okay. but um yeah. I, I've only I seen the trailer yeah, I've spoken to my best friends who have watched the entire series and they love it. Okay. Um, but I believe that the guy was just a really big dick to to the woman. Mm. So they end up killing him. Mm-hmm. Four sisters end up, you know, conspiring to kill this um, narcissistic, charming dickhead. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's if he ever cheated. I don't know if he ever conducted any kind of infidelity within the marriage. He was just – I think he just was a dick – yeah. yeah, from the trailer, um, he seems like a very toxic awful man. Awful yeah. man who yeah. looks down. He condescends, you know, even what's another word? It's just patronizing? Treat, yeah, patronizing towards his wife and the sisters of the wives just yeah. work together. Um, I just, yeah, I'm kind of sick of just seeing these tropes of like um, people in their middle age being either like mistreated or treating each other very poorly. Mm, mm. I just I remember when I was like younger I was always like looking for I was always looking for examples of like ways to live I guess right Mm -hmm. you know like examples that I can model myself from Mm. and like I don't I, I haven't seen like I would like to see more tv shows where like people treat each other people in their middle ages who have been married for a long time treat each other really kindly you know where were examples of that please but the thing is that people turn to TV for something that's different to their life. That's one right, of the reasons. Right. I, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I think I'm not one of those yeah. people who likes escapism. Uh-huh. I fucking hate Marvel. I fucking hate Game of Thrones. I go for narrative and film um, to 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 look for possibility. Mm. I think. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I go there to look for possibility rather than escapism. Mm-hmm. And that does seem like there's a trend of like wife or woman plotting a murder on their husband in the very recent years. Like why mm. woman kill? Um, how to? What's it? The how other? to get away with yeah, murder? Yeah, how to get away with murder? Yeah. it's almost like creating an image that women are both the victim and the perpetrator. Yes, you know. Yes. Um, it, which reminds me of the, like a Chinese proverb, uh, the most venomous heart is the woman's, <laughs> and particularly a mature woman. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with that, by the way. So it's also saying that, it's almost saying that, yeah, women can be vulnerable, but they're also vicious. But I don't necessarily want women to patrol, put, you know, being depicted as yeah. vicious, you know. Yeah. Um. It's also it's because they've been pushed to the limit to make them become vicious. Vicious, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, Helen, what else did you want to say? You said that you wanted to talk about Asian women, um, older Asian women, mature Asian women in Hollywood. I wanted just briefly to mention some of the um, movies that I randomly googled, and I feel like I, I watch all the trailers. I feel like they're all very underrated. There's one called Lucky Grandma. Uh, I think it's a Toronto production or or like an indie US production. It's about a Chinese grandmother's lucky strike on winning casino at the casino, and she was pursued by gangsters. Um, that was that, the trailer that. looks really fun. It's a comedy, 
Yeah, and the other um, next one's the forty-year-old version about uh, um, black female playwrights that um, she was one of those winners of like thirty under thirty, but now she's、uh-huh. in her forties and she needs to、uh-huh. reinvent herself.、Um, the trailer looks quite fun as well. There's another one that not necessarily a very positive、um, image portrayal of an older woman, but I found this one. Kind of resonate with a lot of immigrant families.、Um, it's called Meditation Park, which stars、uh, Sandra Oh and Chen Pei Pei. I swear, Sandra Oh is so underrated. Like everyone should know her and watch all her films. Yeah.、Um, so it's about an immigrant family who's trying to reflect their lives after like moving to. Uh, Canada for like thirty years. Everyone's like the parents are saying that. Oh yeah, we give up our life back at our home country to provide. It's very similar to a lot of immigrant family, but then one day the the mother found out that her husband was cheating on her with、mm. obviously a younger woman who happens to be、mm. like a, his student or something like that.、Mm. Yeah, mm. and、um, she's trying to regain her life, reinventing her life as a woman. An Asian woman in her sixties, and you see her walking out of the house, trying to find a job, and also kind of like a reverse position of a daughter carrying her mother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've seen the comments under the trailer saying that, yeah, it's such a、um, underrated movie that.、Um, What's it called again? Meditation Park. Yeah,、mm. look it up if you see the.、Trailer. I would love to watch that. That looks so good. Yeah. And you don't see a, an Asian woman who's in her sixties that often、that's, on the screen. Yeah, you know? that's why everything, everywhere, all at once was so. It was yeah, it was epic, such an epic film. Okay, any final thoughts on this topic? <laughs> no, that's it from me. Yeah, I'll probably put some links on of those films that I have on my yes, list、please. that I will、yeah. love to watch. Yeah, in the next yeah, couple yeah. of weeks for everyone. Definitely. Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple, and give us a five star rating. If you'd like to support what we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under, head to our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week, and we'll chat to you next time. Take care. Bye.